When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Napsuck File Studios in Studio City, California, it's time for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars here on the Napsuck Files podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsuck, your host. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Napsuck. Also follow my other Star Wars show at Jedi underscore Alliance. Welcome back for Spotlight Star Wars Episode 2 as we move along here on this uh, little experiment of me just rambling about Star Wars. And thank you to all those who tuned in to Episode 1 and uh, said nice things. And it was uh, generally all positive. No trolls yet. I want to start by... Uh, apologizing for something I did on Jedi Alliance this week. Whether or not you listen to that show uh, or not, I will explain. Uh, I got two facts about Star Wars wrong. Now, one was a tinier fact that if you've uh, read uh, the book Darth Plagueis, you would have picked up on it. Maybe we were discussing the Jedi Quinlan Voss, and I was uh, with my uh, guest co-host for the day, John Roca, and we brought up Voss and, and the new book with him and uh, Asajj Ventress called Dark Disciple coming out. We were talking about Jedi Quinlan Voss and his story beginning in the expanded universe, actually technically beginning as an unnamed extra on uh, Moss Eisley in uh, Phantom Menace, uh, or maybe it's Mos Espa. Oh no, am I making a mistake in my story about my mistake? I don't know, we'll get to more of that later. Uh, the character, character grew, Quinlan Voss became very popular in the Expanded Universe, and so George Lucas was intrigued by what had happened with this character, and actually included him in uh, Revenge of the Sith. It was mentioned by Obi-Wan Kenobi when he said Master Voss is making a move, uh, uh, taking the, his troops somewhere. Uh, and there was actually supposed to may, maybe be a scene of Quinlan Voss, perhaps in the Order 66 sequence in Revenge of the Sith, but it didn't get completed. Uh, in talking about that, I said Voss was in Darth Plagueis. He may have been, but I was mentioning uh, parts and attributing things to Voss that actually belong to Jedi Master Xiphodeus the man responsible for building or paying for starting the construction of the clone army character who was mentioned in attack of the clones, but never really heard much about him in the cinematic universe. Uh, but it was explained later on in a lot of other materials. Uh, it was actually an interesting character in his own right and a kind of a rebellious living in the gray area Jedi, which boss is as well. So uh, I said, Oh, Voss is in, in Darth Plagueis only to realize my mistake later. I don't think a lot of people picked up on that. Now, if you didn't, and you don't normally listen to Jedi Alliance. By this point, you're probably wondering what I'm talking about at all. Um, but the other mistake I made was pretty obvious, and it just goes to show what happens when you're hosting a live show in front of the cameras and the microphones, and you're trying to uh, control the chat board and get the show moving and all that stuff. It just shows uh, what can happen. I think I know a little bit about Star Wars. I think I've got a little bit of Star Wars knowledge in that brain. 
Um, but I uh, was talking about Episode 7 and some of the planets that we might see in Episode 7 that we haven't really explored before, especially in the Star Wars movies. And I pointed to the trailer, talked about the trailer for Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and the character of Poe Dameron, uh, portrayed by Oscar Isaac. And I said, you know, I think that planet that the X-Wings and, and, and Poe are flying on might be Alderaan. And it'd be fun to see Alderaan. Alderaan's kind of a snowy planet. And it seemed like it was uh, got some pine trees and some snow. And, and John Roker said, yeah, I think you're right. And we kind of went on. It was when I was driving home, I thought to myself, well, that'd be kind of difficult for Alderaan to be in Episode 7, considering it was destroyed, smashed, blown up to smithereens by the Death Star in Episode 4. Uh, now, of course, in the Expanded Universe, there was a new Alderaan, but that's not what I meant, and that's not canon anymore. I meant Alderaan would be in Episode 7, which is just physically, scientifically, forcefully impossible. I don't think the Force can bring back an entire planet. Maybe the Lord of Light from Game of Thrones. So uh, I was embarrassed on the way home, and I was uh, waiting to be just hammered on the YouTube comments and Twitter and social media. I was waiting for it to happen, and I gotta say... Pleasantly surprised, you all out there in the Jedi Alliance fan base were really supportive. Nice. You laughed it off. And I laughed it off. Some of you commented, like, hey, I thought I thought Alderaan was destroyed. And some of you were like, hey, man, you know, Alderaan couldn't technically be in Episode 7. <clears throat> you guys were, again, pretty polite. And I, I thank you if you're one of those nice people. But it got me to thinking... One of my little pet peeves about being a Star Wars fan, or a fan of anything, but I want to talk to uh, talking about Star Wars, it has the pet peeve with certain fans that just hold people to the coals over their knowledge of the Force, their knowledge of Star Wars, their knowledge of everything, the, the trivia masters. And it's a dark side to fandom. And it's definitely a dark side to, to Star Wars fandom. It's a passionate group. You don't find a lot of people arguing over Indiana Jones trivia. I myself consider Indiana Jones my all-time favorite cinematic character. Uh, but I know more about Han Solo. I know more about Star Wars. It's just an all-encompassing world to be in. And there's so much to know, so much to learn, so much expanded universe or otherwise. There's just so much going on. You could collect the figures, but did you... Did you know the character who controlled Jabba the Hutt's torture and droid relocation program was EV9D9? Some people do. Some people don't. Does that make you less of a Star Wars fan if you don't? Does it make you a better Star Wars fan if you do? That's what I want to talk about today. In, in beginning to host Jedi Alliance back on August 4th, 2014... I went in pretty confident that I know a lot about Star Wars, but I don't know everything, and I'm here to celebrate Star Wars, and I wanted to take all of you on for a journey. And then Maud Garrett, who created the show with me, she said, you know, you should know I'm one of the best, most passionate Star Wars fans around, if I do say so myself, but I don't know everything. And I said to her, don't worry, this is not a show about knowing everything. This is a show about celebrating everything we do know and celebrating the things we don't and learning about it. And she was on board and I was on board. And for the most part, you fans have been on board, on board, on board, on board. Um, in fact, when I say most of you fans have been on board, I'd say 98% of you. We've been pretty lucky in Jedi Alliance. We have a great, passionate fan base that is supportive and is along for the ride. And I want to thank you, if you're one of those people listening, who contribute to the celebration of Star Wars, the greatest saga ever told. But we've, we've run into some few, a few, a mighty few, and I say mighty because they're the ones that sting the most. 
the ones that will jump on you, the ones that will scream at you from their keyboards. You got this wrong. Ah, uh, excuse me, sir. It was this. What are you, an idiot? You don't know anything about Star Wars. These hosts don't know anything about Star Wars. Get this girl off. She's just there because she's pretty. Get this guy off. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Occasionally it pops up. Now, can I handle internet trolls? Yeah, I get it. Do I need to be loved by everyone? No. But it's starting to drive me crazy because I see it more and more. And I especially saw it when my lovely and uber-talented co-host and co-creator of Jedi Lines. We created the details of that show. She goes to AMC's Jedi Council, a move that uh, was bittersweet and tough for both of us, but as uh, as her co-host and broadcast partner, I agreed and uh, supported her decision to go over there, and I still do, and I wish her all the best, and we are still in contact, and we are still working on uh, some other shows that you will be hearing soon, uh, hopefully. Um, but in her first episode with Jedi Council, with alongside Christian Harleff and, and John Campy, she made a mistake uh, about uh, the Bothans when they were talking about the possible Star Wars standalone film Rogue One revolving around the rumored story of the rebel spies or agents working for the rebels stealing the Death Star battle plans. Uh, Maud said, well, maybe we could see Bothans, because as, as we all know, many Bothans died to bring us this information. Now, of course, Maud was referring to something from Return of the Jedi, the second Death Star. That's not to say, by the way that Bothans couldn't have been involved in the stealing of the first Death Star battle plans. But a lot of people jumped on her in the chat room, like, see, this girl doesn't know anything. She's there for eye candy. How dare you, ma'am, say that the Bothans were involved in the stealing of the first Death Star battle plans? Get this brought off. And it just, it really, can I say chap my hide? Am I from the 1930s? Can I say that? All right, I will. I did. It angered me. It angered me because I, I know Maude very well, and I know... I know what kind of a Star Wars fan she is. The woman has Star Wars bedsheets and a Han Solo and Carbonite shower curtain. I don't even have that, folks. So why the hate? Why the jumping? Yeah, I, 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 I get that there's just some people out there that want to watch the world burn. But it's, it's all over the place, and I see it from fan to fan. I see it in person. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, really? Oh, you got that bit of information wrong. It's just starting to become much, because the nerd culture, the geek culture, which has changed, and the definition of what it is to be a nerd and geek has changed, and it's become this thing uh, that's big and it's giant. And I get sometimes we, in our own kind, we want to weed out those who we feel don't belong. So we see a pretty girl who likes to play uh, video games, and you doubt, oh yeah, what was your score, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, how fast did you beat this? Yeah, what games are you playing? Oh, oh, those ones, I see. I've seen it, seen it many times, especially the more you get around the convention circuit. It's still there. I get where it comes from, from the male point of view, the nerd male point of view, the real nerd male point of view, the ones who've been rejected by women the whole time, the women that they wanted, I should say. And then you come along with these beautiful, wonderful women who celebrate the geek stuff that you do, and you're thinking, yay, we finally have something to talk about. Oh, no, they're rejecting me at parties, too. That goes into deeper societal issues. It goes into deeper things. It is by no means a justification for the treatment of these female fans or the treatment of any fan. And that's what I'll get at. I want, I'm moving, I'm campaigning for a world where if you say you're a Star Wars fan, but then you say the words, but really only the original trilogy, or I haven't seen Clone Wars, or I don't read that comic book, or I've never read the Timothy Zahn novels. Uh, I'm moving for a Star Wars fandom that the other person in the conversation could say, great, you should. Do you want to? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you do know. 
you know what, episodes four, five, and six, let's celebrate that. That's what I try to do on Jedi Alliance. If it's a trivia battle, that's a different thing. That is about what you know. And it's also about what you don't know, for that's how you lose. Trust me, I've lost more than a, than a my fair share of Star Wars trivia battles, sometimes as much as I've won. I don't know everything. And when it comes to Jedi Alliance itself, it drives me a little crazy when you're hosting a live show. A live show. Right now, this show you listen to is not live. I'm in my room. I could, I could cough <coughs> and edit that out. I'm not going to for purposes, aren't I cute? When you're on a live show and you've got a laptop in front of you, you've got a, a show format in front of you, you've got a guest, you've got a guest who's never been on the show before, you've got an engineer, you've got moving parts, you've got to hit your marks. And, I, and there's a difference, trust me, there's a difference between podcasting and broadcasting. I do both. I have done both for a long time now, but broadcasting, I started some 20 years ago. Broadcasting is different than podcasting. Podcasting is more of a conversational ramble, much like I'm doing now. This here is a, more of a podcast than a broadcast. But when I'm on Jedi Alliance, especially after we move to a live format, when we're broadcasting live to uh, you know, a smaller audience than our taped audience, but, but we're broadcasting live, it is a different animal. So I really have gotten to the point where I'm starting to snap back at the people on the Internet who might say, uh, excuse me, uh, the backstory on General Maidine is a lot more uh, deep than you were mentioning in your figure episode. Yeah, of course it is. I know it is. I know a lot about General Crix Maidine. Um, but you know what? When I'm hosting a live show, I might miss something or I might just make a joke. I might gloss over something because I don't have the time. And now you're attacking me. Now you're, now you're on me because I, I don't know everything as a Star Wars fan. Oh, oh, you're talking about that, that planet? Well, it was covered in the Shadow of the Empire subseries released by Dark Horse. Yeah, I bet it was. I didn't have time to read it. I have, I have a normal life to do, and I, I know you do too. You've got all the time. I'm hosting a live show, and you're sitting there at your desk, probably with Wikipedia open. Some, a site I go to a lot to research things. And then you're attacking me, and it's starting to drive me crazy. And I'm getting mad myself, because I just want, I want a fandom of Star Wars that celebrates what we have. Like I said in episode one of Spotlight Star Wars, it is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. But with the rise of the Internet, the rise of Twitter, the rise of social media, the rise of Facebook and chat groups and live chat roles during live shows on YouTube, it's given everyone a voice. 98% of the time, it is people who are worthy because they are there to celebrate alongside with you. But it's those ugly 2% that can't get over their own self-esteem issues, their own desire to be noticed, their own desire to be recognized as Star Wars experts. It is them who rise up, much like the dark side of the Force, and kind of make it miserable at times. There's been times... That I have driven home from Jedi Alliance. Because I still have to drive myself, folks. I'm not some big celebrity. I have to drive home, and I'll drive home with a bitter taste in my mouth and kind of unhappy because of some stuff I may have seen in the chat room or some stuff I may have seen on the YouTube comment page after the show uh, goes off air. Um, should I let it get to me? No, I should be professional and move on. But as a human being, it just kind of rattles my cage. And that's why when I was driving home, knowing when it dawned on me, that I had placed Alderaan potentially in Episode 7. When we know it couldn't, I panicked and kind of had that feeling come over you, that feeling of dread of, I've made a huge mistake, and I'm going to be ripped apart on the Internet. Thankfully, in this case, you didn't. 
Though I have to imagine, if I was a woman, or if I, more specifically in this case, was, was Maude Garrett on a previous episode of Jedi Alliance, if she had said, I hope to see Alderaan in Episode 7, I bet the cavalcade of comments that would have flown from the keyboards of the trolls everywhere would have been vicious, would have been sexist, would have been very, very aggressive and dismissive of her knowledge as a Star Wars fan, and that something that the dude does not abide. He does not abide. So if you're listening now and you want to help me celebrate Star Wars, make sure in your own circle, be the change, be the positive energy, be the positive force. Hey, the force, that's a Star Wars thing. Be that person that helps celebrate. And if someone comes up to you and says, uh, hey, uh, did, did Han Sulu, is he from, no, it's Han Solo. Would you like to know more about him? Let's dive on in. Let's have some fun. Don't chew him away. After all, Star Wars is a big party, and I want all of you who are invited to enjoy yourself. I want to talk about a series quickly here. I may have mentioned on Jedi Alliance before. I can't remember. Don't hold me to the coals on that one. But I think I did mention at one point. I definitely, uh, maybe I focused on it in a forced on segment, but I definitely may have mentioned it in passing. But I want to focus on it here. Uh, you know, Marvel's doing a, a pretty good job with the Star Wars comics that are now canon. We covered it last week on Spotlight Star Wars, though I'm slightly disappointed with the Princess Leia uh, short run of comics here. It's, it, it is good, and there's some great things in it that are helping to uh, explain some of the questions we had of the Princess Leia character uh, immediately following the throne room sequence in A New Hope at the end of uh, the first Star Wars um, uh, the Darth Vader series, I just got the third one here. I, I hear it's not as good as the first two, but the series is that that's my favorite of the series. And the regular Star Wars series is is a B-plus at times, little flashes of, a, of an A. Um, but overall, Marvel's doing a great job, and I like the connected universe. I'm looking forward to Kanan, the, the last, uh, the lost or last Padawan, whatever it is. Uh, and they got the other one that's going to take place after uh, Episode Six. It's going to tie into Star Wars Aftermath. There's a lot of things going on with Marvel. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about them. But I want to pause and give credit to a series from uh, Dark Horse Comics who had the Star Wars license for a very long time and, and they are just as responsible for the expansion of the Star Wars universe as say Timothy Zahn was for writing uh, Heir to the Empire and launching the whole darn thing. They carried the flame for Star Wars for a long time and put out some good stuff put out some weird stuff too I'm sure. I haven't read all of them. Don't judge me. Please. But there was uh, a series that came out in 2014. It was a short-run series, four issues. Uh, you can get it in trade paperback now, I believe, or you can track down the individual episodes, issues, I should say. Uh, it is called Rebel Heist, Star Wars Rebel Heist. Uh, Matt Kent did the script. Marco Castiello did the pencils. Dan Parsons on the ink. It's like a band. Um, Rebel Heist took place right after the events of A New Hope, and uh, it had an interesting take. It had four issues, like I said. The first one, about Han Solo. Second one, about Princess Leia. Third one, about the mighty Chewbacca. And the fourth one, about a little boy from Tatooine called Luke Skywalker. And what I liked about the series is uh, there was kind of a secret rebel mission. Uh, the galaxy kind of in chaos following the destruction of the first Death Star. The Empire's reeling. But the rebels, that's really their only first shot across the bow. They've got to make things happen. Uh, and in this comic, there's a secret mission going on. And Han, Leia, Chewie, and Luke all have a part to play in this plan. But the comic books aren't told from their point of view. 
They're told from the point of view of other rebel agents working this mission alongside these characters. And what I love about it is it kind of does a great job of kind of filling in the blanks and kind of expanding the universe, no pun intended, about uh, what people knew about these characters. <clears throat> and what it does is from the... Uh, it, it's. It's the first issue is the one about Han Solo, and, and the guy is talking to you directly. He's like telling a story. First time I've ever been to Corellia. Couldn't believe I was there. So nervous. And he goes on to describe um, Han Solo. And Han Solo is kind of like a legend. He's a, he's a celebrity, as are the other ones. So it's these people who are like, well, they know the Death Star was destroyed, and they heard about it. And they heard about Han Solo and this kid Luke Skywalker and, and, and this princess had something to do with it. So each one, these characters are working alongside Han, Leia, Chewie, and Luke, and you're getting to know about what everyone else in the galaxy thought about the growing rebellion and thought about these iconic characters that we just, we know and we know, love, and we've heard things from their point of view. It is a, a great little series. Is it perfect? No, nothing is, but it, Matt Kent did a great job with the story. I loved the point of view he took, and I highly recommend it. Dark Horse, it was one of their last series to come out about Star Wars, and in, in 2013, they had a great series that took place, again, right after A New Hope, or the uh, events of A New Hope, and uh, it had a pretty good run. Some of the episodes got a little weird later on, but I thought right there in the, in the beginning, that series was on fire. It was great, and quite frankly, when Disney Lucasfilm allowed, announced that all what you thought was no more, and there was a new canon coming... Though I agree with that idea very much overall, one of the first thoughts I had was poor Timothy Zahn, as we talked about previously. The other thought was, but what happens to the Star Horse series they just started? It was so damn good. And then Rebel Heist comes out, and I'm thinking, I, if Dark Horse was going to put out more stuff like this, I could accept this as canon. Uh, of course, it's officially not. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe Marvel will have a similar series. But... I want to recommend that. Spotlight Star Wars? Well, Spotlight Star Wars Rebel Heist. Go find it at your local comic book shop. Ask for the trade paperback or try to get each issue individually. Well, that is Spotlight Star Wars for this week. Thank you for coming along on this nice little journey. It is just me getting to ramble by myself to Star Wars to all of you. Uh, Jedi Alliance uh, carries on, and then uh, we got some great stuff planned. I also... It should announce here. Yeah, I will announce it this week on Jedi Alliance, but we're putting it together, so I don't know the details. But May 4th, May the 4th, may the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day is a Monday this year, which means we'll be doing a live Jedi Alliance celebration of May the 4th. And it's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of people in the studio, maybe go a little longer on the show and have some fun. So get ready for that. As always, uh, subscribe to the Napsuck Files podcast feed, which includes this show, Alicia Malone's Film School, which there will be new episodes soon, and the classic normal interviews on the Napsuck Files. We just had a good one with Joseph Scrimshaw. Got some guests coming up on that. Subscribe, rate, and review if you're on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher and Potomatic as well. You can follow me at Ken Napsock on uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook page as well. Uh, the Ken Napsock uh, official Facebook fan page. 
page, which is ridiculous for me to say those words out loud, but I had to do it um, because, uh, well, I just needed to create a little bit more of a wall of privacy on Facebook. Oh, the modern age. It's a weird, weird thing. Almost as weird as some of the characters in the Marvel Star Wars comics in the late 70s and early 80s. So, until next time for Spotlight Star Wars, I'm Ken Knapsack. We'll see you on the Knapsack Files. We'll see you on Spotlight Star Wars. We'll see you on Jedi Alliance. We'll see you down the road.